0: Let's try and figure out a little bit where things went wrong, what they're going to do to try and rectify some of those. We bring in Black Caps Chief Select, Gavin Larson. Afternoon, Gavin. Uh, belated Happy New Year to you, by the way, as well.
1: Yeah, hello, Nigel, and, and same to you and your listeners.
0: Okay, look, we've said it an in opening, incredibly disappointing series. First of all, as you were looking at it and watching it unfold, where do you believe certain things unraveled?
1: Uh, yeah, look, it's been a tough and very, very challenging month. There's no doubt about that. And I think you used the right phrase, Nigel, in your intro when you said no sugarcoating. Um, you know, I don't think we should. I think we've got to stand up nice and tall and take it on the chin. Um, we were uh, beaten by a superior team. Uh, we didn't, we didn't confront them in, in the way that I wanted to see us confront them. Um, I had extremely high expectations as a, as a selector, and I believe our our fans and our media did too. You know, we've got a very, very good test team and, you know, we simply didn't, um, didn't produce the goods across those three tests. There were a number of uh, circumstances, I guess, that, um, you know, all factored into those, to those end results and not, not all was on the, the part. Um, but there's no making excuses. You know, at the end of the day, our performances just simply weren't, weren't good enough and um, we need to bounce back.
0: Can you clarify what you mean by you didn't confront them enough? What are you meaning when you make that statement?
1: Yeah, I, I guess I look primarily from a batting point of view to see, you know, the performances of our top seven, who I believe are yeah, an exceptionally good top seven. I mean, all of them were, you know, averaging, you know, around the 40 mark, if not in excess. And, um, you know, someone like, and I'm sure we'll talk about him, Jean um and his you know, his, his troubling times too. You know, it wasn't that long ago that he was pushing towards a test average of 40. So, you know, I, I think, you know, look, let's face it, first of all, we, we were up against a very, very good Australian attack. They were relentless. Um, you know, those, that, that fast bowling quartet, um, you know, and I throw Hazelwood into that, who we didn't see a lot of. Um, I haven't seen anything like that for a long, long time. Um, but I think they exposed our, um, our techniques at time. Um, and I think when I looked at someone like Tommy Blundell's performance in the second innings at, at Melbourne, I found myself wondering, you know, why the rest of the guys um, hadn't produced similar performances that showed that sort of character, uh, resolve, and uh, no lack of technique.
0: In hindsight, then, you talk about you know the uh, the squad of fifteen. You still believe that you selected with the benefit of hindsight, the right 15-man squad, or should the selectors have waited until after the England series before naming the squad to go to Australia?
1: No, we were very comfortable with naming the, the, the 15 for the um, for the five tests. You know, we were approaching it, Nigel, in terms of a, almost a, a campaign. You know, if we were taking 15 offshore, um, you know, that that's the way we, we operate. You know, what I'd stress is that nothing ever precludes the selectors' you know, to make changes to, to the 15. You know, if we really felt we wanted to make a change, um, or two, um, or more, at the end of the uh, the England two tests, then um, then we would have strongly considered that. Um, but we felt we had the right 15, we felt we right, had the right mix and the right balance um, for, you know, what we were going to confront. And look, as you say, you know, hindsight's a marvellous thing, and, and given the way the tour did unfold, um, you know, you do tend to look... Um, with with greater scrutiny now as to, you know, would we have done things a little bit differently? But, look, I honestly look back at it, and I I, I believe we would have gone down the same path. So
0: a player like, uh, let's use a Lockie Ferguson, um, who was always, you know, a lot of people, and, and I believe it was always on the cards, that Australia was going to be sort of his environment, given that extra pace and bounce and that sort of a thing. Then is there... Would there have been a really good case to at least given maybe that second test uh, against England, given that there was no warm-up games in Australia? I, I guess, should you have used maybe someone like him and rested um, maybe a Tim Southy or someone in that second test? Are those the sort of things now when you look back and are those the things when you move forward now you will maybe have a little bit more of a deeper thought about?
1: Oh, certainly something that gets thrown... Into the melting pot. Um, look, Lockie was a big part of our, our planning for, for that Aussie series, and look, I was just so bitterly, bitterly disappointed when um, you know his calf went early in that test, and and we lost him. He was ready. He was, um, you know, our, our support staff have worked brilliantly around him from an S and C and bowling loading point of view. Yes, he hadn't had the the miles out in the middle in Test match cricket. But we all firmly believe that he was ready to go. He's been an incredibly durable athlete, Lockie. Um, he's picked up very, very few niggles over the years. And, you know, we simply weren't expecting him to, um, you know, to pick up an injury of, of, of that sort of nature. Um, but again, Nigel, you, you're right. In hindsight, now we look back and then it's something that gets thrown into the, into the review melting pot. Um, you know, the decision was made to go with the incumbents in that first test at Mount Monganui. Um, which I thought was the right decision. And then Hamilton became the question mark as to whether Lockheed should have maybe played that test um, to get those miles into his legs. Um, but look, um, you know, we didn't go down that path. And, um, you know, now we can all reflect and look back and and, and I guess question that.
0: Talking with uh, Gavin Larson, Chief Selector, for the Black Caps, looking back at the Australian Series. And we are going to look ahead very shortly as well to uh, the Indian Series too. Y- you mentioned... A couple of you mentioned, as well as on field, some some off field. I guess a lot of people have been saying, "Look, why weren't they over there playing a warm up game or well, that sort of thing?" Now, I'm not sure if this is your department, Gavin Larson, but at any no, point, was, what, what, so was there? Is it something that the selectors that the team would have preferred? And I mean, is it just about dollars and cents and people not wanting to to pay the money to put those sort of things on?
1: Do you have oh, any look, idea? I, I won't go down that path because it's. Uh, <laughs> um, it's a, it's, a, it's a really tough one, Nigel. There's yeah. a lot of cricket that is played around the world now. It's a conveyor belt. Um, my personal opinion, and I'm looking big picture here, is that there's there's too much cricket played and the, the, the expectations are too great on all cricketers, international cricketers around the world. And, um, you know, scheduling for me is the number one priority, you know, for the ICC and all the all the boards around the world um, to try to address this Uh, you know, the number of games we expect our cricketers to to play. You know, we want them to all step foot on the park and play at the highest level, and we expect performances from them on a consistent basis. But, you know, burnout is always, you know, sitting just just around the corner, I believe. Um, So, look, that's a a tough one. Yes, in a perfect world, you would have had a warm-up game. Um, You would have given the guys, you know, a greater chance to acclimatise. But we knew the schedule. We knew what was presented, and then... um, the Black Caps um, support staff management, you know, um, Gary and Co. needed to make a decision as to whether, you know, they crammed some cricket in, into that short window we had after the um, England second test and before Perth, or whether to give the guys that chance to to refresh more mentally than anything, um, and to get themselves ready for that test. And that was the path that they went down.
0: All right, let's look ahead now. You've got an Indian series coming up very shortly. Are there any? Obvious changes that you'd be looking to make for the Indian series, and, and are you still confident that the selection policy, the selection process that you and your fellow selectors go through, is where it needs to be at?
1: Yes, yeah, very, very. I'm very confident in that, and you know we've had reassurance from New Zealand cricket over the last um, couple of days as well that you know they're very comfortable with where we're at. We're not wanting to knee jerk in any way. You know, we believe over the last, you know, probably four to five years and going back into Mike Yesson's tenure, you know, the same model has been in place and it's worked very, very well and I don't think anyone can dispute that we've had a very good period, you know, in terms of results and I believe that, you know, selections in a general sense have been um, pretty pretty consistent um, and, and I don't think there's been, you know, too too many issues. There's always debate and, you know, and and, and a lot of a a lot of emotion and, and, and thoughts from the, from the public and the media. And that's, that's just the way selection is. Um, but I think the results sort of speak for themselves. Um, that was a tough month. And, you know, we do review. And we have done that over the last few days. I had a whole day with, with Gary yesterday talking through selection and starting to, you know, work through the Indian selection process. And even to crystal ball gaze out even further, um, you know, we've got a T20 World Cup very firmly on the radar now, a year away. Um, or less than a year, um, and that's becoming a focus too. So, yep, it doesn't stop, that's for sure.
0: Gavin, how hard is it to select a test team when the predominance of cricket being played back home is the short form?
1: Uh, yeah, look, it's not, it's not helpful in the, in the respect of when we're trying to draw from our domestic pool in the event of um, you know injuries or illness, which we saw in, in, in Australia. You know that we are looking to pull white guys who are playing white ball cricket, but you know what I always stress to people, Nigel, is, is you know in this professional environment, I'm finding our players do adapt, um, you know, pretty quickly and pretty efficiently. Now between between the formats, um, they do it they do it very very well, um, and that's just it's just the nature of the beast. But again, I, I guess I bring that back um, to scheduling. It's an incredibly complex subject, and even how. Our New Zealand cricket, you know, operations team have to pull the schedules together for a for a domestic summer. It's it's a it's a very, very difficult task. The Devlin Radio Show. Call O eight hundred-eighty ten eighty
0: now. That was Black Caps, Chief Selector, Gavin Larson.